Hi, ladies. Welcome back to our podcast, The Millennial Girl Way, the podcast that highlights real millennial women doing the damn thing by turning their dreams into reality. Today on our show, we have Patrice Stevens, owner of the digital marketing agency, Pink Ship Limited, and co-founder of Moms in Control, a community dedicated to empowering working moms. Patrice started in a performing arts background and later progressed into the media industry, where she found a natural love and passion for marketing and advertising. Her love for marketing and advertising led Patrice to become her very own CEO. Through her agency, Patrice has worked with over 82 different brands of all sizes, including the likes of Superdrug, the NBA, Morgan Stanley, and more. So Patrice, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you came to love the marketing and advertising industry? Wow. Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. <laughs> what a cool introduction. You guys made me sound so much cooler than I am. <laughs> um, how did I get into advertising? Well, to be honest, I've always loved media. Um, and I always wanted to do something in media or advertising of some sort. I just love the creativity of it all. Um, I love persuasive writing. Um, I just love being on set, you know, like with um, photo shoots and video shoots. That time, that whole industry was just really always so exciting to me. And I think yeah. the easiest way for me to segue into that um, was social media management. Obviously, being a millennial, growing up with social media and the internet, um, it was just like such a natural progression for me. So yeah, that's just kind of how I did it. I did study in university. I did advertising, public relations, and media, um, which kind of got me got my foot in the door, um, if you like. And then it kind of just progressed from there, internship after internship, and then I just was in the space. Awesome. I was gonna ask you, you know, when did you kind of take on this whole aspect of you know wanting to do it on your own were you just creating certain things that you liked and then decided that you know hey I can just I can just do this myself you know um I guess it was by accident <laughs> I started <laughs> off as a consumer consultant and a um visual merchandiser for a hair care brand called ORS which you might know um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I used to work with them. I started working with them when I was 16, 15, 16 years old, and I worked there all the way up until the age of 21. Um, and so I was already very much in the hair and beauty space um, and in the advertising marketing world. And um, kind of when I wanted to develop from there and start doing, I started to, you know, look for jobs in agencies or in house jobs. I was kind of unable to find a role that suited me I felt um there was nothing there was nothing exciting there was nothing there was just nothing that fit I felt like I was either coming in at a very entry-level job which was extremely boring to me and I felt like yeah. I had, been, had done so much already that was kind of beyond that and when I, I was taking a step backward and so I just said to myself I'm just going to start doing this on my own I'm just going to work with clients and build up my own portfolio and um and then after a while I was just so deep into self-employment that I just couldn't see myself going back into like traditional nine-to-five setting so that's when I set up my agency okay and so you know you had this great idea kind of what was your first execution step with that Definitely to find clients, or not even clients, just to find companies 
startups, people with brands that needed help with social media. And um, before I even thought about, you know, registering my company or putting together like a business plan or setting up my business structure, my priority was to build a portfolio um, and actually put all my knowledge into practice. Because, you know, it's all good and well, like having a website and everything, but there's no evidence of work. No one will want to work with you. So my first thing was first to build up a portfolio. Right. So I'd contact anyone who had a brand of any kind and I would help them with their social media. I'd practice, I'd learn, and I'd just get better and better. So that was my first thing was to build my portfolio. Oh, I, I find that so interesting because um, literally this morning, Shay and I were talking about the next steps for our business. And one of the things that we identified as entrepreneurs is that, you know, we have all of these, all of this great information and all these tools that we want to pass on to people. But I think the first step is just letting people know that you can do it. Like you have the skills and the knowledge and that it's valuable enough to pass on. Um, Right. You know, so I, I think that's pretty cool that you, you know, you took the route of, okay, let me show you what I can do before I even worry about all of the, the intricacies of starting a business, you know, in general. Exactly. Yeah. When taking on new clients for uh, the entire, the entire digital marketing experience, about how much time do you spend on coming up with the overall look and feel for a website? To be honest with you, Okay, so we rarely build websites. So that's something that we we do, but that's not our main thing. Our main thing is social media management and sort of helping companies that are already existing to branch out further. But it does take us a... But a lot of the time, companies do come to us and they don't actually have their visual branding put together. And obviously, coming from a visual merchandising background, that is just such a huge thing for me to make sure that there's consistent branding, imagery, you know... um, that a company has a very cohesive uh, brand guide, something that they can follow. So even when we're not working with them anymore, they still know how to create graphics that look on brand, how to create imagery that's on brand, how to create video that's on brand. And Mm -hmm. it takes us, I don't know, it could take anything from maybe two hours to months, just depending on how how sure the client is Mm -hmm. of what they want out of their brand. Because sometimes we meet clients that, have no idea what they want for their brand. They don't know what direction they want to take it in. They don't know what colors they want. They don't know what fonts they want. They don't know what feel they want, what look they want. They don't know what imagery they like. They don't know anything about their brand yet. So it takes us a while to kind of help them to fill in all of those gaps. Then sometimes we meet clients that know exactly what they're trying to achieve. They just need us to help them put it together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And with clients like that, it's super fast. It could just take us a couple of days to put something together. So it really just okay. depends. Um, do you have a preference for, um, you know, whether your clients already have their entire idea mapped out versus um, the clients who kind of have a, a blank page and kind of give you the creative power to create? Um, that's a good question. I don't think I have a preference, to be honest, because mm. every client brings something different and every every customer or every um, brand is so different. So it's just, it's, it's always exciting every time, whether it's uh, something that we have to start from scratch or if it's something that we can kind of just build upon. I have to say, in terms of like, it's actually it's easier, of course, to work with a brand who knows what they want because it's a lot less guesswork for us and a lot less back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a client that doesn't know what they want, 
um, it just takes us a lot longer to come to a conclusion. It's a lot more creativity for us, which can be enjoyable, but sometimes it can be quite stressful because if a client doesn't know what they want, they don't know if they like what we've produced or not. Got you. <laughs> sometimes they'll be like, well, I don't know if, if I like it because I don't know if it's what I want because I don't know what I want. So that yeah. sometimes can be a bit annoying, but um you know every client is different sometimes you come across a client that is just so much fun to work with sometimes you come across a client that can kind of just take you for a ride (laughs) and you know that kind of goes into talking about like you know customer satisfaction and and things of that nature you know with mixing creativity and customers customer satisfaction can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes you know uh Bray and I so overwhelming yeah (laughs) you know we'll have minor freakouts um, when we're doing a, a release of a new product that we think may be great, but we don't know if like our audience will necessarily think it's as great as we do. So how do you right. kind of handle the pressures of delivering customized content to your clients? I literally have to separate myself from the work. Okay. And that's something I learned years ago and even something I tell my team you know any designers that work with us any creatives that work on our team I just have to let them know from day one this is no longer about you you're not creating for yourself (laughs) anymore like you have to leave your creative sensitivities at home when you come to work because Mm -hmm. these clients we're trying to make them happy so we might love something but it's not about what we love it's about what the client loves yeah, And so when I present something to them, if they don't like it or if they have criticisms, I have to just leave my my own sensitivities at the door because it doesn't matter what I feel. It matters what the customer feels. And so that is kind of the hardest thing to get used to as a creative because creatives are so sensitive about our work. So we put so much of our soul into it and then if a client's like no I don't like that color it can be so flushing <laughs> <laughs> so you have to kind of just learn to let go of that and just let the customers tell you what they want and then you discover a whole new reward which is when a client loves what you produce mm. and they're so happy with it you know that is like a whole new reward I love when a client just kind of lights up and it and everything that we create for them is exactly what they want and you know they're just so excited about it it just feels good to know that something that wasn't so hard for me has changed somebody's life you know right. has changed mm-hmm. their business and made things so much easier for them so that is a once you learn to separate yourself from the work emotionally you can discover so much more rewards that's kind of what I would say. So, you know, I kind of wanted to walk back to like the the beginning, you know. Um, So you get your first Uh couple of clients and, you know, when did you know that this could really be a viable business for yourself? Um, I'd say maybe two years in. Okay. So the first two years I was kind of messing around I don't even know what I was doing and calling it a business (laughs) but I I feel like I was messing around I didn't have anything structured I didn't have my my books balanced properly I didn't have a proper business structural model um you know I wasn't hiring properly I wasn't employing properly everything was just kind of a bit of a mess the first two years and I was also still doing um, retainer contracts for clients as like a freelancer. And I wasn't full time working on the on the agency. So I feel like for the first two years, it was all a big blur and so yeah. many mistakes were made. But then after maybe the two year mark kicked off, we kind of had 
a t- we had a gathering, just the team. We were just um, at our at our space and we had balloons and chicken wings or whatever. We were just all talking about <laughs> what we wanted to achieve moving forward. We talked about, you know, the past year and what we wanted to change and what level we wanted to reach by the end of the third year. And we're, we're just about to turn four. But awesome. that third year, I think, was so pivotal. That's when we kind of just started working towards getting our space, getting, you know, proper long-term good quality clients honing it in on our direction and vision as an agency so now we're kind of we focus on beauty tech companies now and we um we kind of specialize in the beauty hair space um we kind of honed in on the the services that we wanted to provide the pricing that we wanted to set and it was just kind of like a real moment where we just got focused and said like this is what we're doing now that whole third year was completely focused it was driven it was just I was working full-time um, at Pinkship and we were just really really going hard and then I think by the end of that third year I was like yep we are on point now we're, this is a proper business uh, we're making proper money we're doing things properly and we're going real places I think I mean from the outside looking in we had reached that place a long time ago but for me it was only when we turned three that I was like, yep, yeah, this is, this yeah. is going in the right direction. And now a year on from that, about to turn four, I feel like we're still, you know, growing and scaling up and getting deeper and deeper into that beauty space. But, you know, it's, it's a long, it's a process. I don't think it's ever going to be like an overnight thing for anybody. No. Yeah. And I feel like even when you do have a business plan, when you start actually running your business, you, your day to day looks so different from what your business oh, plan proposed. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like you need to learn that. <laughs> yes. We, we are definitely learning that now. Um, yeah. You know, what we envisioned, because we came up with this um, millennial girls concept and idea when we were back in college. So this was maybe what, three, four years ago? Yeah. Um, And just every year, yeah, watching it develop and, you know, kind of like you did, like trying to hone in, okay, what is it we're really trying to offer? Who is it that we're really trying to offer these services to? And then who are we trying to connect with? Um, Those are all central questions that I think once you get into the knit and grit of it and you realize where you want to go, those are questions that we're all, you know, striving to answer. Yeah. Um, Within... Within your, let's say your third year, I mean, you know, transitioning into the fourth year, fifth years to come, what were some of the obstacles um, that you encountered along your way? Um, Business-wise, honestly, we didn't have that many obstacles. Things were kind of moving very smoothly this this past year. Um, But for me personally, of course, I got pregnant (laughs) last (laughs) year. congratulations thank you just as we was turning three just as the company turned three Mm. no actually yeah the the company turned three and I had just found out I was pregnant wow oh wow so yeah so I was like okay so this next year is going to be a whirlwind a whirlwind and I was completely (laughs) right of course the first three months of pregnancy I was just completely tired all the time low Mm. energy and I just didn't have the strength to, to operate at my best and then, of course, I was just, I, once I came out of that first trimester, I started going hard. But, of course, when you're pregnant, everything is harder. You're 
slowing down you can't kind of operate at your but you can't do all the meetings you can't do all the events you can't right. travel every second like it was just so much harder yeah and then I mm-hmm. had the baby <laughs> once I had the baby again things were more challenging because I now have to balance like being a mom and being you know a business owner making making sure I stay on top of things so, you know, I think it couldn't have come at like a, a crazier time for me <laughs> but it's definitely been a huge challenge and a stretch I think that's been my biggest biggest obstacle but blessing at the same time also still right. a blessing. of course and yeah <laughs> did that was did that transform and I guess become the birth of moms in control yes because <laughs> when I first got pregnant I was like how am I gonna still run my business mm-hmm. and have a child like all my peers that are entrepreneurs, they don't have children. Yeah, right. And when we would talk about, we would talk about children and they would all say, oh gosh, no, not now. Like I can't, <laughs> when would I do it? I don't have the time, you know? So if that mm-hmm. gets into your head and you, you have, and I wanted to have a child. Like it wasn't like an accident. I intentionally wanted to have a baby, but once I got pregnant, I was like, oh crap, like what have I done? Like how am I gonna do how am I gonna do this? Like how am I actually gonna do this realistically? Um mm-hmm. and so then I was kind of not panicking, but I was afraid. I was afraid that I'd have her and not be able to continue at my best. I was afraid that I'd have her and not be able to continue running my business, not continue to chase my dreams. I felt like I was just gonna go a million steps back um, right. I was really afraid that I just wouldn't be able to do it and people around me would say you know it's so hard you're not going to have any sleep you're not going to have any time to yourself you're not going to be able to do this you're not going to be able to do that and people just kept telling me that I couldn't I wouldn't be able to do it people who had kids and mm-hmm. I just thought to myself okay well maybe you couldn't do it but I'm sure there are women out there who have done it yes. <laughs> and you know I started looking at examples of women who had done it and were doing it and are doing it and I decided to just focus on those women rather than focusing on the women who was telling me that it was just going to be impossible mm-hmm. and so that's why I started the platform just to inspire myself every day by just posting women who are doing it women who right. have kids and their brands and people who are yeah. juggling it and you know, sharing advice and, and their stories and sharing tips and resources that could help me. And so that's why I started it originally just to imp- inspire myself. And then I realized actually this is helpful for other moms who, you know, are trying to start a business or helpful for women who have a business but want to become moms. Yeah. Just to, in- to let them know that this can be done and don't listen to the people that are telling you it can't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how I started that. And, you know, and I think that's so important because that's also a kind of community that as women, I think we fail to tap into sometimes because we get bogged down by the everyday aspect. I'm not a mother yet. You know, one day I will be. But I think that, oh, you know, that's such a pressure of a woman of, you know, trying to make that decision between family and pursuing your dreams you know sometimes we really feel like we can't have it all and I think that is right I think that is very important and valuable for women to be reminded that that is able to be achieved you know your dreams you know your, your children they don't hinder you from that and and in many aspects I feel like it takes motherhood sometimes for women to go as hard as they need to, you know, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you got the exactly. extra power of like, okay, well, I know that this little one is depending on me. So I'm about to have to get exactly. it away, you know? So yeah, I think that motherhood is, you know, a, a beautiful um, driving force um, 
mm-hmm. for us. And I think that we need to rec- recognize that, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. I completely agree. And it's so true what you're saying. Like, sometimes, I mean, if you're already an ambitious person or already in a go-getter, having a baby just makes you more motivated. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I kind of wanted to get into you you really growing your business and finding the talent to work with you um right because you know scaling up is very important and you need people to help you do that what was the process like for you know finding the proper talent and then bringing them on how long did you kind of wait to add people to your team to be honest, I added people as soon as I started because the kind of business that I have required the, the specific types of talent mm-hmm. that I didn't have mm-hmm. yet. So to th- today, I'm an amazing graphic designer, video editor, videographer, photographer, you name it, mm-hmm. I can do it. But when I started, I couldn't do any of that stuff. I had to <laughs> learn and teach myself. So at first, I was like, okay, I can't design, I can't edit, I can't do this, that, the, the next. I need to hire people that can. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I, I've been teaching myself and learning as I go along but at first I didn't have that and I needed that so I had to hire right away and I went for um, the first person I hired was someone who I went to university with she was um, in a two years younger than me at university and she was just incredible incredibly talented I reached out to her and asked her if she'd like an internship at a company I'm starting and she's she was like yeah she came on board and she was happy to do it and she's kind of been with us since the beginning and everyone else I had taken on I, I've met through like a, a a course a university course or a digital marketing course that I've taken or was a friend of a friend or was a friend of the family gotcha. people that I knew in my network that had gifts and talents that could that could help and come to um, work towards um the business but for the most part I think when you're when you're active when you're an active business owner and your business is actually doing something and people can see that you're on a mission people can see that you have vision you have drive you have when you're a good leader and you're kind of just taking your business somewhere people want to get involved they are attracted to that they are attracted to a business that's kind of making movements like a business that's doing something exciting people actually want to be a part of it so it wasn't long before you know people started to reach out and say actually I want to be a part of this do you have any um vacancies I'm looking for an internship or can I work with you so people kind of would see the stuff that we're doing online and reach out to us and ask us if, if they could join so wow. it, it, it it got easier as we got going that's awesome I mean you know because a, a lot of times <laughs> I think that people have a problem filling those needs that they have mm-hmm. in their business um yeah and so just for you to have that like proper network and people want to be really involved and it also could be because you know it, you have a very creative business um so you know creatives love to get involved in in those type of things but um you know you believe though that expanding is very important having a bigger team has helped you tremendously yeah 100 percent um I think I'll be honest and say it's not always necessary and if you can get away with not hiring right away then just don't Mm -hmm. don't hire (laughs) until you know is financially suitable, financially viable for your business. 
Right. Because mm-hmm. it's expensive. At the end of every month, you have to pay people salaries, and that's a lot of money. Yeah. And honestly, I can't tell you how much hair I've lost. <laughs> Stressing <laughs> about salaries, <laughs> you know, in my in my time having a business. And it's just honestly, I, if I could have avoided so much of that then I, I really would have and I think now I'm I'm happy to be in a place where I can, I'm I can be sufficient if I want to be I don't need any staff if I don't need them you know yeah, and I feel like that's right. a good place to aspire to be as an entrepreneur to just be in a place where you can you can do most of it if you need to you know and not gotcha. be dependent on others to succeed because that's when you kind of put yourself at a disadvantage when you have to rely on other people Mm-hmm. it gets right. really stressful and then once you when you have the money for it or when your business has made provisions for it then hire and hire one person at a time and hire well take your time hiring you know really make sure that the person you're taking on is going to add value to your business and not just drain your, the life out of you make sure that the person that you're taking on has the capacity to manage their role on their own and you don't have to babysit them 24 hours a day because as a as a ceo you can't be out networking and traveling and and doing what you need to do to grow the business if your team are constantly relying on your leadership right like if they're relying on you day in and day out to tell them what to do it's just not going to work so definitely take time to pick the right people gotcha i see that um you plan to extend your services beyond the UK and Canada. I mean, yeah. How, how do you plan to do that? And, you know, how, to, how important has it been for you to extend your services in other areas? To be honest, it's not that important to me at this stage. I think right now I'm so happy with the UK and Canada. I think the two countries, being between them two, is keeping us busy. There's enough business in the UK and there's enough business in Canada to keep us moving. However, um, there are some brands that, you know, they're headquartered. There are some brands that we really want to work with and their headquarters just aren't in the UK or Canada and we have to go where they are. And so um, if we, you know, are lucky enough to do business with a company we really love that's based in, I don't know, USA, then we'll go there. Um, We'll go where the work is. Okay. And. And I see that, you know, you have partnered with bigger brands. How did that come about? You know, did you reach out to the people? Did they reach out to you? And how important was that for your business? I think so far, it has been a lot of people reaching out to us. We haven't got to the stage where we're pitching yet. Yeah. um, Because we've just been so busy with our small business clientele and also, um, with just international business itself just takes up so much time so we haven't got to the stage where we're actually going and pitching because we have many we have many clients at once that we're responsible for um but working with the bigger brands is helpful for us because people see that and they and they see that as like a seal of approval so it helps us to sign more deals and more contracts because we've worked with the bigger brands for me personally I'm not like the type of person who feels like they need to work with big brands in order to be a legit agency you know we are good at what we do we're excellent at our job and 
any brand that we work with, if we help them and we, uh, we support them, I'm happy with that. And I don't feel like it has to be a big brand. So I'm not really crazy about that at all. But I will say it has helped with our portfolio. It looks better on paper and it just gets us into more, um, it gets us into bigger budgets. It gets us into more, you know, um, higher caliber campaigns and bigger budget campaigns. And and that is great. That's rewarding. That's being able to create stuff without limitations of, you know, finances that allows mm-hmm. us to create things um, that we want to create and not have to worry about money. Um, so I do appreciate the big brands for that. Yeah. Right. So I noticed that you um, have a master class coming up for. Yes. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It, That's right. It's funny. Shay and I, we are we're looking to throw like our very first event. And I know that um, for entrepreneurs and, you know, when we want to do these in-person events, there's a little bit of a struggle, I think, you know, um, finding the audience, getting them to actually come out. So what are some of the first steps that you take when you're trying to put together um, an in-person event? Well, uh, my fiance, he always says that I'm the type of person to kind of, jump into something and then figure out the details afterwards so (laughs) for me when I'm putting on an event I'm insane in the sense that I will pick a date a venue and I'll put the flyer out and then I'll be like okay now I actually have to make this thing happen Mm, and I don't kind of plan beforehand I just put (laughs) I just pick a date a venue and put the flyer together and just start promoting and when people Mm -hmm. start buying tickets then I start putting everything together and making sure that the event is absolutely amazing I kind of put pressure on myself because I know that the deadline is coming up you know um but for me getting people to come to my events is it may look like I just put out a flyer and then people start buying tickets but that's not really how it goes it's Mm -hmm. maybe years of investing in people years of putting out weekly tips on my page like recording videos of of me sharing helpful tips and advice and marketing strategies and putting that out on my personal platform um, Mm -hmm. to help people and that's free like I just give that information out for free so that's me investing in my audience sharing valuable information helping them with things and then I start Mm -hmm. to position that that positions me as kind of like a digital marketing um expert I mean I'm not an expert but it it positions me as the person that everyone wants to speak to or ask questions from you know get advice from Um, so when I do announce that I'm having a class of course people are interested to come because they know me as the person who has the gems you know they know me as the person Mm -hmm. who has the information because I've been I've been sowing those seeds for such a long time for free and so it's a long-term investment for me so that I know that when I put an event out it will sell um and not only just that but I don't even rely on people wanting to come I still I'm in people's dms letting them know I'm having an event if you want to come you know here's the link I'm still doing a lot of legwork behind the scenes to make these tickets sell I'm still you know Mm -hmm. sending out newsletters and email marketing I'm still handing out you know actual flyers to to small businesses in the area and around the area from the class that I'm having so it's not just me putting up a flyer online I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes to really make it happen I think people don't see that part. People don't see the yeah. part that happens behind the scenes, all the work mm-hmm. that goes into it to really make it um, 
worth coming to, reaching out to sponsors to try and get goodie bags and, and beverages and food and things so that when people come to the event, they enjoy it. Yep. Right. And also embracing the idea, embracing the fact that events don't make money. <laughs> they right. just don't. Even if, <laughs> even if you sell tickets, like even if mm-hmm. you sell tickets and you sell out all your tickets, the money you make is like nothing compared to what you invested into the event in the first place. Like the, mo- mm-hmm. the money for the venue, the money for the food, the money for the balloons. I mean, you're barely breaking even really. And it's just something that you do because you love it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love- my money comes from my marketing, not my events. <laughs> right. I love that you say that though, because, you know, I think automatically people think like the event is going to be that, cash cow like we need to throw events because we need you know to reach our bottom line etc but you're so right that the the event (laughs) is for us to connect with you know our intended audiences and exactly um, you know after the expenses and everything it's like you may or may not break even (laughs) right (laughs) right exactly because it's just really it's like a marketing strategy really having an event Mm -hmm. because you know it's just good for your profile it helps you to connect with your people it helps you with advertising because everyone's posting and sharing so it's really good for the brand and it's really good for your brand's longevity but it's not it's like you said it's not the cash cow (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so you know with And going back to, you know, just kind of that online social media presence and you talking about all the legwork that goes into it, you know, you, you give tips for years, you, you know, are making sure you're reaching out and really talking to your selected audience. I mean, for your Mm -hmm. clients, how crucial is the world of online social media for a company's success? You know, have you seen, you know, your clients really (laughs) level up, if you will, simply because they got their social media presence together? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I have people who came to my class last May mm-hmm. who came with maybe one or 2,000 followers. Now, a year later, they've got maybe 18, 20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because they've implemented the stuff that they learned at the class. And in wow. return, th- those followers, it's not just about the numbers, but of course, that turns into sales it turns into brand collaborations it turns into money you know for Mm -hmm. people and I think that that is that's the best part of 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 the Instagram classes that I hold and I also did a Facebook class um, and I did the classes in London and Toronto and the reason and the best thing about it was that it actually gave people clear direction for where they wanted to take their social media strategy and their digital marketing strategy and help them make, make money and help them to increase their business now, of course, there are millions of business owners out there that don't have social media that still make a great living. You have laundrettes, you have barbershops, you have um, car garages, you have, you know, just all yeah. kinds of business models that don't really have Instagram or anything and they're doing just fine. You know, right. the convenience stores, all that kind of stuff. But in this day and age, um, if you're going to try and have a business that's marketing to a younger audience or a millennial audience and it's not just your day-to-day convenience if it's stuff like clothing if it's stuff like um beauty cosmetics if it's you know anything like that you need social media and that's just the end of it um <laughs> if you're starting now it's not yeah. like if you if mm-hmm. you started your business maybe 20 years ago and it's still going today then great you don't need it but if you're starting your business now you need it it's just the climate that we're in you know absolutely um and then you know 
just for your reference, I mean, when you see companies that don't have like a great social media presence or, you know, the, mm-hmm. the strategy is just kind of all over the place. I mean, as someone looking at it, what are you, what are you thinking? I'm just thinking I want to help. Like I'm just thinking I want to. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much I could do, and it's not even like in a in a throwing shade kind of way, but like there's just so much I can do and get my hands stuck into. Like I really just want to help. Yeah. If I see that there's graphics are out of control, I'm like, like I really want to just fix that up and tidy that up, and I want to get them on this platform and that platform, and I just want to help them to see results. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me it's just like you know I feel like I really really just want to get my hands in there and just get get working on it um yeah that's it really yes yeah, so there are some businesses that don't have social media strategies and they're doing just fine and I feel like they've cracked the code of life because mm. I mean ultimately it would just be so great to have a business and not need the internet at all mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right <laughs> it would make things much you know? easier one oh, less thing yeah. to manage <laughs> right? right piece of advice would you give to ladies to get into this bill uh specifically um, what advice would i give i would say really okay so don't make the same mistake i did which was just fumbling around not knowing exactly what your niche would be. I'd say spend time really figuring out what your niche is going to be, what you're going to specialize in, what kind of brands you specifically want to work with. Build your portfolio based on that, you know, really tailored to that market mm-hmm. and spend time figuring out what your brand is going to be like and invest more in your brand than you do in anyone else's. You know, spend time on your own website, your own socials, your own marketing strategy and really spend time building your brand um before you go out and you know start working on other people things in your own business and your own brand need to be structured and well planned or well thought out with that we're going to move into our special segments um so we're just going to ask you a few quick questions you know whatever comes to your mind um so the first one is what is one social media hack that you think all brands should know or implement one hack gosh that's Mm -hmm. difficult (laughs) maybe (laughs) it is so hard because all the platforms are so different but i'd say maybe just again it comes back to understanding your own brand i think the one thing that you should really have is a foundation that kind of spreads across all social media platforms and lasts long term is to establish what your brand voice is going to be what your brand image is going to be and just figuring out what your branding is going to be um so that you're not just because a lot of a mistake that people make is they they their branding is just so inconsistent they're just posting promotions and deals and offers pictures of their um their product but they're not actually saying anything about who they are as a company what their values mm. are what their message is you know mm-hmm. what their brand voice is their, their brand just has no personality no lifestyle attached to it so I think right. that that's what's missing with a lot of brands um what are some books and blogs that you can't live without oh again that's another difficult question (laughs) (laughs) I read so many books I can't say that there is one book I can't live without like there's just no way I could say that I love Mm -hmm. four hour work week I love think and grow rich I love 
uh, Girl Boss, for some reason, is like one of my favorite books. It's just so inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love all of that. Blogs that I can't live without. I'll admit, I don't really read blogs. But there is, uh, if you know Hootsuite, which is a good um, company, it's a, it's a social media scheduling platform. It's a platform you basically can use to schedule all your posts beforehand so you don't actually have to do it manually. Hootsuite have an amazing newsletter. So their emails, whenever their emails come through, I get so excited because they just, they have so many good tips and advice. Mm. I just absolutely love their newsletter. They just share so much valuable information. And of course, um, if you really search Instagram, you'll find so many um, people that just share such valuable information. Mm-hmm. And I just love yeah. following people that inspire me more than, you know, having like a specific blog or a book that I kind of would go to. It's people and um, watching their journey and seeing their experiences um, that really inspires me and keeps me going. Okay. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I think that that's the new... Um like with social media, that seems to be the new wave. Like we're moving away from having like these single websites that we're following because I do the same thing. Like my feed, I'm trying to follow more people that are um, inspiring and are connecting with me and what I'm trying to do right now, like professionally. It's so true. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of people posting like amazing content that can literally, you wake up and see one of their posts and you're like, oh, I've set the tone for my day. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Um, what are some key tools or pieces of technology that you use in your day-to-day that help you um, kind of stay on track and get your tasks done for your clients? Literally, like I mentioned, Hootsuite is just an mm-hmm. absolute lifesaver. Because okay. with social media management being one of our main services, of course, we have 60, 70 posts going out every day, like across all of our yeah. clientele and all the platforms. Yeah. And that's a lot of posts to keep on track with. Like if we have, you know, three posts a day going out for all of our clients on four different platforms each, that's just nearly 100 posts going out every single day. And so if we're not scheduling them beforehand on Hootsuite, then, you know, we're we're definitely falling behind. We need to make sure that everything (laughs) goes out on time. And it's like, we cannot stop what we're doing every second to post. We've still got emails to write. We've still got newsletters to design. We've still got, you know, admin. We've still got so much other things, editing, photography. Like, we still have so much going on that we cannot be posting Mm -hmm. all day long. So, literally, having our Hootsuite so we can schedule everything ahead of time is, like, a key. I don't even think we'd survive without it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then, of course, Photoshop and stuff like that. Right. um, Real day-to-days for us. You know, and talking about all the different people that you follow on social media who inspire you, who are some girl bosses that, you know, you are, you really look to you, they inspire you. If you could pick one that maybe you would hang out for a day with and just soak up their knowledge, who is it? You know, like I love Ming Lee. She's a, she's a, she's I love her. I love (laughs) Kiki Palmer and it sounds like crazy but she's just so inspiring to me how she just has so many different hustles going on I love Adrienne Bailon um Adrian, Adrian Houghton now I love Lala I love Marti Martin mm-hmm. oh god these women just work so hard 
Mm. Um, and they just inspire me so, so much with their work rate. I love that. Obviously, Beyonce, I mean, <laughs> like, honestly. Wouldn't <laughs> hang out with uh, her. Right. Yeah, like, for real. I mean, Karen Civil, Brianna, yes. like, these yes. women just work. These women just work their tails off. And I just, mm. I love it. Yeah. Oh. You, those are all amazing. But you know what I love about, yeah. <laughs> especially all of them, it's like they also do so many different, different things. things. Like they're yeah. not, none of yeah. those ladies, you can't pick just one single thing they're doing. They exactly. juggle so much. And I think that's what's so inspiring about them is like, you know, Honestly. just as you're a business owner, you're a mother and it's like, you can own multiple businesses, be, right. you know, a mother, be a wife, be anything. And whoo. It's like we can exactly. handle it all. It. Like, <laughs> exactly. Honestly, it's insane. And I know, I mean, a lot of people don't like the Kardashians, but Kylie Jenner <laughs> and Kim Kardashian are just like absolute goals for me. They just have, yeah. I don't even know how these people do it. They have like five, six different businesses, four or five kids, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's absolutely insane. And I just love watching people like that work. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. We just want to say to you patrice thank you so much for joining us and giving us insight into your journey um you know you left us with a lot of valuable gems that we cannot wait to share with our listeners yes wow love it (laughs) to our ladies out there we will have all patrice's info in the episode notes um as well as her website so be sure to check that out and we hope to talk to you guys soon Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.